Good morning. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent. That means that we light the fourth candle. It is the very highest candle on the Advent wreath, and it symbolizes love. It also is called the angel candle, which symbolizes the good news that the shepherds proclaimed to the shepherds. So we stand and we worship together, and we sing, Joyful, joyful, we adore thee because of the love of Jesus today. Would you stand as we sing together?
Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Good morning, church family, and welcome to worship on this Sunday before Christmas. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If you are a guest with us this morning, we ask that you take out your worship guide, and you'll find on one of the panels at the very bottom a connection card. We'd love to connect with you, get to know a little bit more about you, and see how we can minister to you. We also have a section on there for prayer requests, and we... Um, Love being able to pray for our church family and for our guests that are here this morning. And if you're watching live this morning, um, we welcome you this morning as well for those that may be traveling or um, around, around the city. But we are glad that you are here to worship this morning through song and through word and through prayer. Will you bow with me, please, this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy that entered the world when Jesus was born. Thank you for becoming God with us. Lord, sometimes it's difficult to live joyfully, especially in difficult or busy seasons. Please purify our hearts this week and remind us that you are in control. Help us to consider it joy when we experience trials of any kind because we know you're creating something beautiful and eternal. As we fix our eyes and hearts on you, Fill our souls with renewed strength, courage, and hope. Lord, you are always worthy of being praised, and we want to worship you. Amen. It is that time of year when there's so many wonderful songs of worship, Christmas carols that we never have enough time to sing. We're going to sing many of them now. Would you join us as we stand and sing a carol medley? You'll know these songs. Let's stand and worship together.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, let us remember during this time of celebration, Lord, that the promise of salvation through the birth of your son, Lord, is the true gift of Christmas. Lord, we pray for the sick, Lord, that you be with them during this time of celebration. We pray for the ones that haven't accepted you, Lord, that you be with them. Lord, we offer our offerings, we give our offerings, Lord, to be multiplied and used for your benefit, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. No crown, no throne, no victory. 
The last six months have been filled with anticipation, but last night, everything came to fulfillment. The story went like this. A few months ago, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And the way that this was going to be taken about was that each person would go to his ancestral home to be registered. So Joseph also went up from Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he was of the house and the line of King David. He went there with Mary, who was pledged to be married to, pledged to, be married to him, and who was also great with child. And not wanting to leave Mary behind, Joseph took Mary on that long journey from Nazareth in Galilee down to Bethlehem, south of Jerusalem. When they arrived, it became time for the baby to be born. So Joseph hurried off to the town inn looking for a place where they might spend the night and Mary might have the baby. Unfortunately, the inn was completely filled with other travelers who were all coming to the town for the census, but the gracious innkeeper invited Mary and Joseph out back to his stable. It certainly wasn't a palace. It certainly wasn't a perfect place to have a child, but it was a private place. And so there in that stable, in the midst of the chickens and the cows and the other barn animals, Jesus was born. As Joseph stroked his wife's hair and smiled down at her after the baby was born, he said, his name is Jesus. Mary looked up at him and said, he is Emmanuel, Joseph, God with us. Can you imagine something more remarkable is there anything that can explain this? It was such a wonderful scene, that couple with that new baby, all of the things they'd been through, all of the promises that had been spoken to them, and now here it was happening in the privacy of this little stable outside of an inn in Bethlehem. I watched the scene, and I couldn't help but think, you know, for centuries to come, Artists are going to try to capture this night in paint and in pen 
and in sculpture. But something tells me that all of their efforts are going to pale in comparison to what this is really like. It was a wonderful scene. In fact, I got so caught up in watching them from the unseen realm of the Spirit that I forgot what I was supposed to do that night. And so suddenly I remembered my main message. And so I headed away from the stable there, back up into the heavenlies, where I gathered a large host of the angels and led them to an area outside of Bethlehem. For there were shepherds nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. It was a perfect, peaceful scene. The sheep had all been gathered in for the night. The shepherds all had their places, and they were passing the time as they watched their sheep. But as we hovered above, <clears throat> I looked at the other angels, and I said, Okay, do you remember the plan? They nodded in agreement. I said, We're going big angel on this. All out, big noise, big lights. We want to scare these guys to death. We want them to know this is a big show. Everybody ready? Three, two, one. And then suddenly, above all of those shepherds, I appeared in the sky. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Perfect, I thought. But I said, do not be afraid, for I bring you Good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born, and He is Christ the Lord. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, and right on cue, I might add, the heavens were filled with the symphony of the angelic host, and they were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill on whom his favor rests. Oh, wow, it was a scene, all right. The light was blinding. The sound was deafening. The, the shepherds looked up at us with their eyes as big as saucers, but smiles went from ear to ear when they heard the good news that was for them. You see, the Almighty had told me, make sure they understand that this good news is for them and for everyone. And so I told them, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. But why did he start with shepherds? You might wonder, why in the world would the Almighty send a whole bunch of angels to shepherds? Why not go to the priest at the temple? Uh, why not go to King Herod on his throne? I mean, it, it would seem to make sense that if you got all the priests behind you from the beginning and King Herod... Behind you from the beginning, things might go pretty well for you. Why go with shepherds? What's so special about shepherds? Nothing. And that's just it. You see, no one is as low in society as shepherds except lepers. So you might say that this good news of great joy for all people was delivered to a bunch of nobodies. Why would God want this wonderful good news, the best news ever delivered, delivered to a bunch of nobodies? It's because most of the world is nobodies. Most people in the world are really 
nobody. I mean, even somebody who thinks they're somebody or may even be somebody in their own town a few hundred miles away is nobody. And the Almighty, who is the great somebody, wanted all of the nobodies in the world to know that He knows them. And He cares about them. He knows the number of hairs on their head. And He can make nobodies into somebodies. And so He wanted this message delivered to lowly shepherds. But that's not the only reason he wanted the message delivered to these particular shepherds. You see, they were also a fulfillment of prophecy. If you go back to Micah, there is this obscure prophecy about a watchtower of the flock that is part of the daughter of Zion or the daughter of Jerusalem. This watchtower refers to an area in Bethlehem where the sheep are watched by these particular shepherds. And so 700 years before Jesus was ever born, the prophet Micah saw something about a tower, something about a little town that was a daughter of Zion, a daughter of Jerusalem, and that something significant was going to happen there. In fact, a king was going to come from there. But while as cool as all of that is, there's more. For you see, these particular shepherds weren't just any old shepherds. The sheep that they watched weren't just any old sheep because all of the sheep and the cattle and other flocks that were kept in this particular area from Bethlehem going up to Jerusalem were used for a special purpose. These sheep were used for temple sacrifice. And what was that sacrifice for? Well, according to the Levitical law that God had given the Israelites, any time an Israelite committed a sin, he had to present an offering to God to cover that sin. And so an, an Israelite would take a, a lamb or some other animal or um, offering to the Lord that would represent their sin. They would pray over that animal, confessing their sins on that animal. It symbolically taking on their sin. That lamb's throat would be then slit its blood poured out and the priest would take and burn that lamb as a sacrifice, making atonement between God and the sinner. Now, this repetition of sacrifice every single day, because sin took place every single day, was to help people realize that whenever I sin... It requires death of some kind. Sin brings death. Sin brings death. Sin brings death. And also, by the repetition of these sacrifices every single day, the people were supposed to say, my goodness, there's no way that the blood of rams and goats and lambs can ever take away all of my sin. And they were supposed to reach the conclusion that, wow, if there could just be one lamb, if there could be one lamb who could become the ultimate sacrifice that would take away the sins of all the world, that would be amazing. And of course, Isaiah has prophesied that. He said, surely he took up our infirmities 
and he carried our sorrows. But we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was wound for our transgressions. He was cursed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, Isaiah was saying, there's coming a lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Everything will be placed upon him. And that lamb is Jesus. So this message had to be delivered on this particular night to a bunch of nobody shepherds in fulfillment of prophecy who were taking care of special lambs with a significant purpose. Now, doesn't it seem just like God to deliver the news about the Lamb of God to the very shepherds who were taking care of the lambs for God? But that's not all that was significant about this message. You see, in delivering that message of good news of great joy for all people, I told the shepherds that that night was born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Three significant titles never before being combined in that particular way until last night when I told those shepherds. Let's think about those for a moment. That Jesus is the shepherd. He is Yeshua, Jesus. That means God who saves. I told Joseph that he, would marry, that he would marry Mary and he would name the baby Jesus. Why? Because he would save his people from their sins. Jesus is this long-awaited Savior. He's also, though, Christ. Christ is the Greek name for the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the anointed one, the one that has been long awaited and promised. Whenever a king ascends to the throne in Israel, a prophet will anoint that king's head with oil. Well, this particular king, this Messiah, this Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is anointed not by an earthly prophet, but he is anointed by God the Father. And his kingdom will not be made up of thrones and lands and, and possessions, but his kingdom will be in the hearts of mankind. And he is this long-awaited Christ. He's Savior. He's Christ. He's also Lord. This term is a term of deity that should remind everyone that this is not any ordinary baby. This is not just a baby who will become a man and a good man and a good teacher and a, a rabbi. But this is the God-man. He is God-made flesh. So God has become flesh in order to save the world as Savior in fulfillment of hundreds of years of promises to come as the Messiah. What a wonderful message to be shared. What a glorious thought that, that we shared with those uh, shepherds that night. But we didn't just share that news. No, I also gave them something to prove the message was true. Just as I had 
for Mary, and just as I gave Joseph the extra hint he needed. Remember for Mary, I told her that her relative Elizabeth was with child, even though she was well past childbearing years, and Mary went. She saw that was true, and so it confirmed her faith. For Joseph, I appeared to him in a dream to affirm and confirm what Mary had just told him about this baby to be born. And so for these shepherds, I gave them a little nugget to look for. I told them you'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Not too many babies are found lying in mangers. At least not human babies, that is. And so the shepherds knew what to go look for. With the message delivered, the sign given, we headed out back into the unseen realm of the Spirit. And you should have seen those shepherds just still looking up at the night sky like, what in the world just happened here? They stood there looking for a little while, and then they turned to one another, and they just stood in unbelief. And then they said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing of what we've been told. And so they hurried off, and the other angels and I laughed as those shepherds ran across their fields. They jumped over rock walls. They climbed up hills and rolled down hills on their way to Bethlehem, so excited to see if they might be able to find this baby in a manger. And sure enough... They came to the place where Mary and Joseph were and they found the baby lying in a manger. They recounted to Mary and Joseph what they had seen, what they had heard. Mary treasured up all those things in her heart. And after spending a little time with the couple, the shepherds hurried off praising God and glorifying him for everything they had seen and heard and that they had found everything just as we had told them. It's an amazing message. It's an amazing story. It's news that must be accepted. And it's news that must be shared. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King.
Other than Psalm 23, Luke 2 may be the most familiar passage in Scripture. In fact, a lot of times at Christmas when we come to that passage, we may even tend to glaze over and start daydreaming. And, and those daydreams aren't necessarily bad. Oftentimes, they're daydreaming of Christmases gone by. In fact, I can't hear Luke 2 myself without remembering Christmas of 1987, right after I accepted Christ as my Savior, and our choir doing a musical that my dad was the narrator of. And in that, he read Luke chapter 2. And that is in my mind as a memory, even hearing dad rehearsing in his bedroom getting ready for that particular presentation. And those kind of daydreams aren't necessarily bad, but there is a danger when things become too familiar and we stop thinking about them. For this particular passage of Scripture which we encounter today is, is one that is packed full of meaning. There's all kinds of messages there. There's all kinds of truths there. And if we just glaze over, we can miss what God is wanting to say to us. I hope that this series called The Messenger has helped you not do that this year. I hope that it's helped you to see the story of Christmas in a new way, maybe even seeing it in a fresh perspective for the first time in a long time. I hope especially that today you grasped the good news of this message. The good news of what God was sharing with the entire world and that this message is very important. You know, messages aren't just delivered to be shared as kind of news. Okay, check it off, receive the message, got it, and then go home. Messages are often delivered with a call to action. They're not just meant to inform us, but to call us to do something, to act in some way, or to even prepare us for action. And that's certainly true of this message and the other messages that we've seen throughout this particular series. Just as it was with the shepherds, the message of the Christmas story is a call to action. The first action is to believe that message for yourself. To accept it as true. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem means nothing if you, to you if he has not been born in you. If you have not been born again. In fact, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know what a Merry Christmas is all about. For the merriest of Christmases come when you experience the true meaning of Christmas in your heart. When your life is transformed by him. Have you done that? If you haven't, I encourage you to do that today. And start your Christmas season off in the very best way possible. The other truth about this message, the second action that it gives us, is that we are to tell others. This is not just a message to believe yourself. It is a message to tell others. The shepherds could not contain themselves I love how Luke continues that story where he says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. One of the neat things about this particular part of the story is that these simple shepherds became the first preachers and evangelists in the history of Christianity. They hadn't been to seminary. They hadn't been even to Sunday school. 
But they were the first people to go tell other people about the birth of the Messiah. That's something we're supposed to do. We're to tell the story of Jesus to others. And you don't have to go to seminary and get all kinds of degrees and all kind of training to be able to do that. You just have to have experienced him yourself and tell others who he is and what he does. That's all those shepherds did. They just told about what they had seen and heard and people's lives were transformed. Two passages capture how believers should live their lives as evangelists. In Acts 4.20, we read of the apostles saying, For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. When you experience Jesus and the good news of Jesus in your heart, you can't help but tell somebody about it. It's an amazing transformation that takes place. And in 1 John 1, 3 and 4, we read something similar. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. We write this to make our joy complete. Joy becomes complete when you share what Jesus has done for you. There's a, there's a, a connecting of the circuit, if you will, that takes place when you share with someone else and your joy is fulfilled and complete. Will you receive the message of Christmas for yourself today? And if you have, will you share that message with others? For as the messenger has told us, it is a message that needs to be accepted, but it's also a message that must be shared. May we pray together? O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in be born in us today. We have heard the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Come to us, abide in us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Gracious Lord, we are thankful for the offer of salvation. And Lord, I pray for those in this room who've never trusted you as their Lord and Savior that today would be the day of salvation. I pray, Lord, that even right now, as they are hearing this message or they are watching this message or they are in this room, I pray, God, that even now your Holy Spirit is speaking to them and you're letting them know that they need to trust you as their Lord and Savior. And in this moment, God, I ask that they would repent of their sins and they would turn to you and they would say, Lord Jesus, I need you to be my Savior I need you to be the Lord of my life because you are the Christ, the long-awaited one. Lord, affirm and confirm that belief in their hearts, Lord, even as they pray that prayer right now. Increase their faith, increase their belief, and bring transformation into their lives. I thank you for that. And Lord, for those of us who already know you as our Lord and Savior, I pray that we would be bold to share what you've done with others. Lord, invigorate our faith. Give us a compulsion, a passion to share the gospel and the good news of others. We have an open door this season. Lord, help us to walk through it. Speak to us, Lord, during this time. 
Lord, during this time of invitation, as we respond to the message that we've heard today, God, be born in us today. Speak to our hearts and challenge us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.